Well, once again, I want to welcome you here, and I want to welcome those of you that are over in the venue. I'm glad you're with us. I want to welcome those of you that are listening online and those that are listening on the radio. We have here in the 21st century a lot of different ways that the message of Jesus Christ gets out, um, especially here at Big Valley Grace. And so whatever, whatever it is, however you're listening, we're just glad you're listening. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be in your notes or it'll be on the, 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 the jumbotrons. We want you to see the word for yourself. And uh, inside your program, you, you, there's a little blue sheet of paper. looks like this, 519 Worship Gathering. And we're going to do something special on Thursday, August 23rd at 6 o'clock in here. We're going to have a great night of fellowship together as a family. We're going to gather and we're going to sing some great songs. We're going to worship the Lord together for an hour. Then afterwards, we'll have uh, some desserts and stuff. There is child care. And, and uh, uh, we're going to be recording a, uh, our next album, and it'll be live. And so we want you to be here to be a part of the recording. If you'd like to actually be in the choir, you can see right down there at the bottom, we're putting together a special choir that'll be on the platform, and you could be a part of that. You just need to come to the rehearsal. And uh, whether you're in the choir or not, we want you all to be here. We're going to have a great night of fellowship, worshiping the Lord together, uh, desserts and stuff afterwards, and then you can all be a part of, of uh, this, this new um, uh, eight-track we're putting together. Um, now, what you, now, what you can do is, is like right in the middle of a song, you know, just yell your name out, you know, Rob Dinaman! Say something like that, and then it ends up on the album, and then everyone gets to hear your name. It's out there with amongst millions of people. Now, now I see the choir guys, the worship guys are going, oh, countrymen, you should not have planted that seed. Because some of you are going to show up and do that. No. Uh, anyway, put that down. We're going to have a great night. That night, we want you to be a, a, a part of it. Invite a friend. I guarantee it will be, it'll be just, just, just a, great, a great time. Well, we're in, a, we're in a series here at Big Bella Grace where we're looking at the lives of some of our brothers from the Old Testament, people like Samson and Jonah, King David, Noah, uh, Jehoshaphat. Uh, last week we looked at the life of Elijah, and it was, just a, a, a great, it was just a great time. I know God's doing some really fantastic things in the life of many of you. One of the things about living in the 21st century is that we have all this technology, emails, texting, all this kind of stuff. And it's amazing the volume of um, uh, emails and texting that we're getting from, from you. You're, you're telling us about how the Lord is, is working in your life. Uh, you go into the altar room. It could be the altar online. And, and we're getting to see how, how God is, is really moving in your life. But I want you to know that it begins right here with, with me. As I kind of start to read some of these passages and I begin to kind of rustle around with them. I just don't show up here and unpack them to you and, you know, whatever happens, happens. I want you to know, my friends, that, that God is, is doing a, a deep work in my life too. And there are moments in my office that are, that, are, that are rough for me because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, you see. And God's doing something in, in my life just like he's doing something in, in your life. But it's really neat to, to see those, those emails and see how God is working in your life or your family or whatever. To, today, we're going to look at the life of a man that many, including myself, consider to be the greatest person in the Old Testament, and that's Moses. Uh, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. 
God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God used Moses to write the first five books of the Bible and a few of the Psalms. God did a bunch of different miracles through Moses. Probably the most famous that most of you know is the the splitting or the parting of the Red Sea. He was an amazing man. He was a successful man. But as amazing and successful as he was, he, he was still a man. He was no different than any one of you. But he did do something that few people do. He made some critical decisions about how he was going to live his life, and these decisions impacted everything he did. These decisions, uh, in a lot of ways, were the key to his success, were the key to the amazing life that, 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 that he lived. And my goal for you today is that somehow you might catch a glimpse of what God might do through your one life if you, like Moses, made these same four decisions You see, I know, because I've done this long enough, I've been here at Big Valley Grace for 30 years, that a lot of you sit out there and you think, man, God could never use me. You see Pastor Scott or Pastor, you know, Chad or, uh, you know, Ben up here or maybe it's Stephen or or, uh, uh, John over in the, the venue and you think, man, I could just never be like any of those guys. You see these people and, man, God could never use me. And I, and I want you to know you're wrong that is a lie from the, from the very pit of hell. God can use anybody. In fact, God wants to use you more than you want to be used. And today, if you would just relax, get your pen out, and if you'd really concentrate and listen, I think these four things could make a huge difference in your life. I think that you will hear from the Lord. Look, if all you hear is my voice in the next, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, wow, what a a waste of your morning. It's my goal that you really hear from the Lord. That's what matters, is that you hear from the Lord. And I think that that you will. And so that's my, that's my, my, my prayer for you. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 through verse 27 together and see what these four decisions were that Moses made. Verse 23 says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. Now obviously when you look at a life like Moses, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is just filled with with data and information and there's no way to look at it all. And so I've chosen this little, little portion of Scripture out of, out of Hebrews to, to, to kind of guide us today as we look at the, the life of Moses. So what was the first decision that Moses made? Okay, the first one was this. Moses settled the issue of who he was. He settled the issue of who he was. Look again at verse 24. It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, now let me give you a a little context, okay? Because some of you don't really know the story of of Moses. 
There was a moment in history when all the Jewish boys were condemned to die in Egypt. So when Moses was a baby, his mother put him in a little boat and sent him down the Nile River. Now, as this little boat was floating down the river, the daughter of Pharaoh was taking a bath or whatever, and she saw the baby. She saw little Moses floating down the river as it drifted, and she took the baby back into the palace, and she raised that baby as her own child, okay? Now, don't miss this. Moses was the son of a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Pharaoh's grandson in Pharaoh's palace, which was the most opulent place on the planet at the time. Now, many years later, uh, 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 there, there came a moment when Moses learned the truth about who he was and where he had originally come from. And at that, mo at that moment, Moses had what we might call an identity crisis. He had to make a choice. He had to decide, am I Jewish or am I Egyptian? I, I, am I a slave? Or am I royalty? And the consequences of that decision would affect the rest of his life. If he chooses to say, I'm Pharaoh's grandson, Moses will enjoy a life of fame, a life of fortune, a life of luxury. He'll have a promising career. I mean, he's, he, he's got connections, right? He'll be an heir to the throne. If he chooses, I'm Jewish. I'm the son of a Jewish slave. He'll be rejected. He'll be despised. He'll be thrown out of the palace. He'll be humiliated, right? And he'll live the life of a slave. There came a moment when Moses had a choice to make. Who, who am I? Who am I going to be? The son, the grandson of Pharaoh? Or am I going to be a Jewish slave? Well, obviously Moses chose not to live a lie, right? Moses saw his people, the Jews, being badly mistreated as slaves, and he couldn't be silent. And because he was a man of great integrity and character, he made a decision that cost him literally the next 80 years of his life. Now look, one of the things I think that really gets me down is when I see people trying to be somebody that they're not. And in the, the calling that God has put on my life, I deal with people all the time. And it really bums me out when I see somebody trying to live somebody else's life. They're trying to copy the lifestyle of somebody else. It just, it just really does something in my soul. Look, God just wants you to be you. That's all God wants you to be. I said last week that, you know, when I die and I, I go to heaven, God's not going to look at me and say, hey, Rick, why weren't you more like Billy Graham? He's not going to say to me, Rick, why weren't you more like Moses? He's not going to say, hey, Rick, why weren't you more like Dr. MacArthur? Why weren't you more like, you know, uh, Dr. Jeremiah? Why couldn't you have been, you know, more like whoever? He's not going to say that to me. He's going to look me in the eye and say, Rick, why weren't you more like Rick Countryman? I had one Billy Graham, and I had a plan and a purpose for his life. I didn't want you to be Billy Graham. I didn't want you to be Moses. I didn't want you to be Dr. MacArthur. I didn't want you to be Dr. Jeremiah. I didn't want you to be Adrian Rogers. 
I made you unique when you were inside your mama's womb. I put you together just the way you are and had a plan and a purpose for your life and you were too busy trying to be everybody else. Look, I, I love my wife deeply, but I don't want to be who my wife wants me to be. I love my kids deeply, but I don't want to be who my kids want me to be. I love my friends deeply, but I don't want to be who my friends want me to be. I love you deeply, but I don't want to be who you want me to be. I just want to be who God made me to be. And that's all God wants from you, is that you would simply just be who God made you to be. And when you make the choice to simply be who God made you to be, I want you to know it's liberating. Something happens within your soul when, when you're not having to look at the cover of all those magazines and see what everybody's wearing and they're all, you know, photoshopped anyway and airbrushed anyway. And here's what they're wearing and here's where they're living and here's what they're doing and here's what's going on. And, uh, and I just got to be like that instead of just simply being who God made you to be. Now let me take this in just a little bit different direction. Once you gave your life to Jesus Christ, okay, when you became a Christian, you're faced with the same decision that Moses was faced with. Are you going to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ, or are you going to be known as something else? When you gave your life to Christ and you became a Christian, are you going to be known as a Christian, or are you going to be known as something else? And I know that there are many of you here and you've given your life to Christ. And while you're here, oh yeah, you know, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. I mean, man, it's easy, right? It's easy to be who God made you in here. But boy, you get out there and it can be tough, huh? I mean, you want the, the guys to like you. You, you, you want the, the, the guys at work to want to hang out with you. And you want to be accepted and all those things. I get it. But look, I think the key word is follower. If you're a follower of Christ, are, are you living that out? Are you known as that? Are you known as a Christian? Or really that's kind of a whole sub-life that you just kind of live on Sundays or Saturday nights or whatever. Look, when, when, when you make the decision to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, just buckle your seatbelts because you're well on your way to being used by Jesus. You're well on your way to God taking your one life and doing something amazing with it. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua makes this great declaration. Most of us have heard it, but I know that there are some of you who are new and you probably never hear it, so let me read it to you. Joshua said to the people, now respect the Lord and serve him fully and sincerely. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped on the other side of the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if you don't want to serve the Lord, you must choose for yourself today whom you will serve. You may serve the gods that your ancestors worshipped when they lived on the other side of the Euphrates River, or you may serve the gods of the Amorites who lived in this land. And then he says this, As for me, as for my family, we're not going to live a lie. We're going to serve the Lord. And in a New Testament um, context, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live a Christian life. I'm going to let people know this is who I am regardless. 
So the first thing that Moses did was he settled the issue of who he was. He simply wanted to be who he was. And number two, and, and these just kind of go hand in hand. Number two, Moses chose to do the right thing even though it was going to hurt him. He chose to do the right thing even though this was going to cause him a lot of pain. Verse 25 says this, Moses chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What one version says, he, Moses, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. And you ought to underline the word chose. He chose. If you want to make an impact with your life, you got to make the right choices in life. You got to make the right choices in life. Look, you read your Bible as much as you want to read it. It's your choice. Well, I'm just really busy. You know, I got my business. I'm trying to get it up and running and all those kinds of things. You read your Bible as much as you want to read it. It's your choice. You memorize as much scripture as you want to memorize. It's your choice. You pray as much as you want to pray. It's your choice. You understand that? You watch TV as much as you want to watch TV. It's your choice. You spend your money however you want to spend it. It's your choice. Beloved, God has given you a, a, the, the freedom of choice, and the choices you make will determine your future. Someone said, what you choose today will determine your tomorrow. And that's true. In verse 24, Moses made the choice not to be called the grandson of Pharaoh, and that choice brought with it some pain, didn't it? He, the consequences of the choice didn't matter. He was going to do the right thing. And now you get to verse 25, and he's making another choice that will bring them some pain. Moses makes the choice to follow God. Moses was going to do the right thing regardless of what it cost him. And when you make this choice, when you make this decision, it's unbelievable how God will use you. Look, being a follower of Christ, being a Christian, living it out, listen, that's a painful gig today in America. People will call me, you know, a hater. They'll call me a bigot. It's not easy to be a Christian today in America. It's open season on Christians or Catholics in America today. You, you, some of the things that are said about us Christians, if, if, if it was said about a Muslim or a Hindu, are you kidding me? They literally will put a hit out on your life if you make some disparaging comment about some other religious groups. But man, if you're a believer today, whoa, people will take shots at you. And let me tell you something, Christian, buckle your seatbelt. When you make the choice that I'm not going to live a lie, I'm going to be who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower and then you make the choice that I'm going to do what God says regardless. I mean, you're in for some pain. You're in for some sorrow, just like Moses was. But it is one of the things that we American Christians don't like a lot. We don't like a lot of pain. So you know what? We just kind of go along with the flow because we don't want to upset the apple cart. We don't want people to call us haters. We don't want people to call us bigots. We don't want people to do that. Who likes that? 
I don't like that. But you want to be used like Moses, you got to make that choice. You got to choose to do what is right, even though it's going to cause you an incredible amount of pain. Now, let me share with you a bonus thought, okay? Everybody look at verse 23. It says, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. My parents thought that about me, but for a, diff but for a different reason. <laughs> and Moses' parents weren't afraid to disobey the king's command. Now listen, if you are a high school kid or a junior higher or whatever, and you're listening you know, over in the venue or in here, or maybe you're listening on the radio or internet or whatever, I want you to pay close attention to me. This, this next point's really important. When, when Moses was a child, the sovereign hand of God moved and God chose Moses. Moses was a baby. Moses didn't have a, a saying. It just the sovereign hand of God moved. Moses' parents put Moses in a little, little boat, sent him down the Nile River. Moses didn't have a call, didn't have a say, right? Wasn't his call. But verse 24 says this. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, as a baby, it was okay for Moses to live off his parents' faith. But now that he had grown up, he had to make the choice to follow God on his own. You see, when my 20-year-old was uh, just a, a child, man, her dad's in ministry. Her dad's down here at the church. She would come to the youth group. She'd come to Hume Lake and, and camps and, and, and go on missions trips with me. And she, she was just, she was like caught in the vortex of her father's life. She's down at the church, involved in all this stuff, right? She was kind of living off my faith. But there came a moment in her life when she had grown up. Now, young people, listen to me. Where she could no longer live off my faith. She now had to make a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus Christ on my own? She had to realize that sin had messed up her relationship with the Father and that God so loved her that he sent his son Jesus to live an amazing life for us and that Jesus went and died on a cross. He, he died a horrific death for us that he was put into a tomb and three days later he walked out of the grave proving who, who he said he was and that was the son of God. And now he has ascended to the right hand of the father and he's interceding forever for us. She had to make the decision that it was only through a relationship with Jesus Christ was her sins going to be forgiven. She had to make that decision. And for some of you today, that might be the decision you need to make. You've been living off your parents' faith. And now is the moment that you're grown up that you make that decision about who you're going to follow. I, I, I ask a lot of people in my line of work, if you will, if, if they're Christians. And I've heard a lot of people say things like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, my parents are Christians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, my, my, my dad was a missionary. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flag-waving American. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm a Christian, man, I come to Big Valley Grace. Hey, I gave an offering once, you know, back in 62. Hey, come on, uh, what are you talking about? 
Listen, all those things are great, okay? I'm glad you're Christians were parents. I'm glad your uncle was a missionary. I'm glad you're a flag-waving American. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you've given an offering. Those are all good things, but not a one of them will make you a Christian. Not a one of them will, will erase the, the stain that sin has brought to your life. Not a one of it. It's only when you invite Jesus Christ into your life personally. You invite God's holy son into your life. And now the father looks down and doesn't see all the sin and junk in your life. He sees his son, his holy and righteous and perfect son. And by virtue of that relationship with his son, man, God sees you as holy, righteous. And for some of you, that's the decision you need to make today. You see, God didn't force Moses to do anything. When he was a baby, God moved, he goes down the river. Moses had to go God's way when he grew up. He had to make that choice, and he did. So Moses settled the issue of who he was, and then he made the choice to do what was right, even if it hurt. N- n- number three, and this, one, this, one's, this one's tough, okay? Moses established a value system for his life. Verse 26 says, Moses thought it was better, he's making a value judgment here, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Another way in a modern day context, it would be this. Here's Moses, and there's all of Bill Gates' money, just billions and billions and billions. And Moses has a choice to make. It's a value judgment. Do I want that? Or do I want God's will? And unfortunately today, too many Christians wouldn't even, it wouldn't even, they wouldn't even bat an eye. Give me the dough. Give me the treasures of Egypt. Is it any wonder why God used Moses in such incredible ways? If you want your one life to really count, you gotta settle the issue of what's really important in your life. And this takes time. It takes a lot of time. It's not something you do quickly. Figuring out what's really important in life just doesn't happen. You have to give it thought. You gotta give it major thought, major consideration. And that's exactly what Moses did. And it's one of the reasons why he was so successful. I want you to underline the word thought there. You see it? He thought it means that to, to evaluate, to consider the options, to weigh in the balance, to evaluate the worth. Basically what this verse is saying is that Moses considered God's will for his life of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. So let me ask you a question. What do you consider to be the most valuable thing in your life? What, what, what are the things that, that, that are most important to you? What are the, 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 let's just say, the two values that you're building your life on? The, 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 the two pillars that, that if somebody were to ask you, what are you building your life on? What would it be? Here's the sad thing. And maybe part of it's my fault as your pastor. Probably most of me here don't, don't know. You don't know. Oh, well, you know, my, uh, my family, my family. Uh, well, you, you really don't know. You haven't really thought about it. 
I'll give you a little hint. If Jesus said that the greatest thing that you could do with your life, the greatest commandment, was that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you would worship God, that that Maybe that might be a value. Do you think that ought to be number four? Uh, number three? How about if it was number two, you know? Well, all I know is Jesus said that the greatest command, the greatest one, is that somehow your life would honor the Lord, that you would worship God with your one life. And there's probably a whole lot of subsets that would come from that, you know, giving and, and coming to church and, and all, the, all those things. Um, Jesus then said the second greatest commandment is this, is that you would love other people the way you love yourself. In other, words, in other words, human beings ought to matter. Human life ought to matter, whether it's inside a mama's womb or it's 110 years old taking its last breath in a, in a, in a hospital room. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you would love God. And the second greatest commandment was that you would love others. Just a hint <laughs> of what you might go home and say, you know what? This is really what I value in life. And you'll see why this is important in, in, just, a, in just a moment. Basically, verse 26 tells us what M Moses values, what, what he valued. Now, let me ask you why, let me tell you why this is so important. It's important because if you don't decide what's important to you, listen to me, somebody else will. And some of you don't even realize it, that the world is crushed in on your life and your family, and the world has dictated to you what's really important. And how I know that is because I can just look at how you spend your time and your money. Look, the world is more than happy to pressure you into its mold and impose its value system on you. If you don't decide how you're gonna use your time, somebody else will. If you don't decide how you're gonna spend your money, somebody else will. Somebody's more than happy to try to get your money from you. I was watching a commercial the other day, you know. Hey man, you gotta get a sticky. And not just one sticky, you can get two stickies. And they'll clean up your house for you. But if you send me your money right now, I'll give you a sticky. But not only that, send me your money right now and I'll give you four stickies. <laughs> and guess what people were doing? I need a sticky. <laughs> and, and, and the guy's a millionaire. And then you got the sticky at home. <laughs> I got four stickies. <laughs> and the world's out there telling you, buy this, buy this, you need this, you need a sticky. Buy it, buy it, come on. And guess what people do? Yes, master. And then you come to church and I, I, I don't really have any money left, but I got four stickies. I, I have nothing to give to the Lord because I've allowed the world to dictate to me where I give my money and what I give my money to. And the work of God, what God's doing here, well, that's just kind of secondary. Just watch every commercial. Every commercial out there is just telling you, come on. You need this. Buy this. If you don't have this, something ain't right. And because your values aren't established, you, 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 you kind of fall into that trap, you see. If you don't decide how you're going to raise your children, 
Oh, there are forces out there that will help you. Listen, there's a lot of Christians who have no clue as to what's really important in their lives. In other words, they haven't established a, a value system for their lives, which means they're simply living out the world's values. And, and, and bless your soul, you're doing it and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. And let me tell you something. The reason why Moses was used in such an incredible way was because he, he decided, you know what, I'm not going to live a lie. I'm going to be who God made me to be. I'm going to do what God made me to do, and I'm going to do it even if it causes me great pain, even if it causes me great sorrow. And he had decided, here's what's important in my life. God's will is important in my life. Now let me illustrate the power of having God-honoring values that you live by. How many of you can name one, just one of the many pharaohs? If it wasn't for the king and I, it'd probably be this, right? Uh, there was a guy named Tut, wasn't there? Yeah, oh, well, you got two, Ramses and Tut. Listen, listen. They were the most powerful men on the planet at the time. They were the most wealthiest men on the planet at the time. And you don't even know any of their names. Isn't that bizarre? The most powerful people on the planet. You, you have no clue. You don't know their names. Listen, if Moses would have said no to God, no, you know what, I, I'm not going to be who I am. I, I'm going to stay the grandson of Pharaoh. That's what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm not going to live out God's principles in my life. And he would have said yes to the world's values. Listen, none of you here would even know who Moses was. He'd simply be buried under a pyramid somewhere, and maybe his tomb had been robbed by now. We certainly wouldn't be here studying his life. The power of, of I'm going to be who God made me to be, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to build my life on godly biblical principles. Wow. Mother Teresa didn't have two nickels she could rub together. Go anywhere on the planet and people know who she is. But you can't even think of one Pharaoh's name. Unbelievable. Well, the good news is that Moses didn't say no to God, did he? He said yes. And there's a lesson that here that we all need to focus on. When you say yes to God, when you give your life to Jesus, you've got to learn to say no to the world's values. And that's tough. That's why God, I think, left a church so that you could come and hear messages and all the stuff to help you because the world's pulling us. And, man, we need to, we need to have those things in our lives that help us stay focused on what's really, really important in life. Men's ministries, women's ministries, all those kinds of things. Small groups. Well, let me give you three things just very quickly that, that Moses did value. Number one, Moses valued God's will for his life more, uh, more than being popular. Verse 24 says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, now do you think that the title, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, was a, a status symbol? You bet, you bet. But Moses knew that popularity doesn't last. 
I asked my, my son not long ago if, you know, uh, uh, if he liked the Beatles or not, and he looked at me and said, Beatles? Who are the Beatles? Uh. What? Who? I have not raised my children properly. What, what do you mean you don't know who the Beatles are? <laughs> the Beatles? <laughs> Funny how popularity goes, huh? Uh. Number two, Moses valued people more than pleasures. Verse 25 says he chose to share the oppression of God's people. They were in slavery at the time instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. I, I like that verse. The Bible never lies. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. This verse tells us that there is pleasure in sin. Sin can be a blast. In fact, I say that often in here. And some of you just don't like it. You get angry when I say that. I don't know why you get angry at the truth. Why do you think so many people get goofed up with sin? Because it's a drag? No, sin can be a blast. There can be pleasure in sin. Here's the problem with it. The, it, it never tells you what the price tag is. You see, once you get involved in sin and you hit the cash register, now you gotta pay for it, you don't have a checkbook with enough money in it to write the check to pay for it. And number three, Moses play, uh, valued peace of mind more than having possessions. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. Beloved, Moses could have stayed in the palace and had every possession he ever wanted, all the wine, all the women, whatever, you name it. But he knew something that very few people know today, even very few Christians know today. He knew that no possession could give him true, lasting, deep inner peace or happiness because true peace, true happiness doesn't come from the things you own. It comes from being in the center of God's will. It comes from being who God made you to be. It comes from making God-honoring decisions with your life. That's where true lasting peace comes, and it's, a, and it's priceless. L let me illustrate it. I want you to go back about six months or so, and there was a moment when you all gathered under your tree, and you had a present, and you opened that present and you went, whoa, woo, okay, nice. So there was a gift under there that gave you a lot of pleasure, right? I want you to think, what was it? Uh, there was a moment when your kids opened up presents. Woo, thanks, Dad. This is fantastic. Wow, they were all pumped up. They don't even know. It's in a closet. It's broke. They don't even know what it is, right? <laughs> It gave you a few seconds of pleasure, maybe a week or so. To keep that in mind in about six months or five months, you're going to be out buying gifts again, and the world's going to say, come on, buy it, buy it, make everybody happy, buy it, buy it, come on. That's the world's values. Maybe God has another set of values that he would rather have you live by because those presents, those toys aren't going to bring any true peace and any true happiness in any of your kids' life or even in, 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 in your life. Look, the problem for us in America is that we have way too much to live on and way too little to live for. Write that down. 
We have way too much to live on and way too little to live for. But those that name the name of Christ, let me tell you something, we got the greatest cause on the planet to live for, the cause of Jesus Christ. How could it possibly be that somebody who names the name of the Lord really... Jesus said, hey, look, beware, Christian. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And yet, boy, that's the standard here. We got all, we got all kinds of stuff to live on, but so little to live for. Sit down this week. Do some thinking about your, your value. So Moses settled the issue of who he was. He made the decision to do what was right, even if it was going to cause him some pain. He established a value system for his life. And the last thing that Moses did was he kept his eyes on the Lord. He kept his eyes on God. Verse 27 says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And the one who is invisible is the Lord. Beloved, if you, if you want your one life to count, if you want to be used by the Lord, you got to keep your eye on God. And let me tell you why. If you don't keep your eyes on the Lord, this world will discourage you. This world will get you down. This world will drag you down. This world will mess you up. It'll discourage you. And a lot of Christians just, just quit. You see, God had given Moses a job to do, lead two million people out of captivity and take them into the promised land. Can you say huge problems? <laughs> How are you going to transport two million people you know, out of one country across the most desert, desolate piece of land in the world? How are you going to transport two million people without any food or water? How are you going to get you know, Pharaoh to even let them go? Beloved, there were enormous problems in this job that God had given Moses to do. And if Moses would have simply focused on all the problems and all the pain and all the sorrows and troubles or whatever, he'd never made it. He'd have quit. He'd have given up. But because Moses kept his eyes on God, he was able to persevere through all the crummy things that were going on around him. Look, I, I, I love what I do. I, I, I do. I started off as a youth pastor here, and, 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 and I was asked the other day, hey, what's, what's, your, what's your area of expertise? And this is what I told the guy. I'm an expert in sin. I've been living in it, with it in my own body for over 50 years. I'm well acquainted with sin. I deal with people at my church, and every one of them is a sinner. I am an expert when it comes to sin. I'm also an expert in sin as it relates to how to have it cleansed from your life. As the youth guy here, a lot of teenagers, a lot of parents, a lot of sin, a lot of stuff. I was thinking back this week of all the crummy things you have to deal with when you work in a church. You're dealing with people's pain and sorrow, their sin. You're watching how sin has destroyed a, a marriage, a life, a family, children. Let me tell you, tell you something. It, it, it was crummy. And then, you know, I, I became the Saturday night guy, and man, just, just more sin. The thing about adults is, is that you can just hide your sin better, and, and then it's like a jack-in-the-box. Poop! It pops out, right? 
With kids, you just see it. It's just you deal with it now, and you can deal with it with, a, with you. You hide it and hide it and hide it. And then when I find out about it, your eyes destroyed. <laughs> Instead of coming into the altar room or coming and getting counsel and, and just admitting the fact that, you know, you're struggling, because we all do. That's what the Bible says. We all struggle, every one of us. And then I became the men's guy. Now I'm the senior. All along, you're just dealing with sin all the time. Let me tell you something. It can be very discouraging. There are times I get in my car, and I'm heading down Pellendale Road, and I'm just really discouraged. I've seen how sin has impacted my own life, maybe how I treated people around here. I see how sin has impacted other people's lives. I'm watching families be destroyed. I'm watching kids' lives be destroyed. I'm watching all this sin, and I get in my car, and my eyes are down here. Man, I'm just, I think I'm going to go to work at Starbucks. <laughs> All I got to deal with is a bad latte, you know, and I, get, I, I can go home, you know. I can always remake a latte if I screw it up. Huh. I'm not kidding. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I, I just, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. And you go, you know what, God, I've gotten my eyes off of you. That's where I need to get my eyes. See, Moses, if he had had his eyes down here, oh, man, what a bloody mess he had on his hands. But Hebrews tells us he, he kept his eye on the invisible one. Did he get his eyes down here at times? I'm sure he did. He was human. But wow, to keep your eyes uh, up, uh, up there. Look, if you want to have a successful life, you've got to have a vision for it. And then you got to stay focused on the vision. If you want to have a successful family, you got to have a vision for it, and you got to stay focused on that vision. If you want to have a successful business, you got to have a vision for that business, and then you got to stay focused on it. Now listen to me. If you want to have a successful spiritual life, if you want to have a, a successful uh, life like, like Moses had, you want to be really used by God, you got to have a vision for it. Then you got to stick to that vision. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ 30 five or whatever, you know, more than that, 40 years ago, I had a vision for my life. I had read an Old Testament passage about these mighty men of God. And I said to myself, that's what I want to be. I want to be one of God's mighty men. I didn't even know what it was. That was the vision that I had for my life. God, I don't know about who these mighty men were, but that's what I want to be for you. And I've always had that vision in the front of my mind. God, let me be one of your mighty men. Can I be one of your mighty men? You want to have a, a successful spiritual life, walk with God, you got to have a vision for it. Then you got to stay focused on the vision. Let, let me share with you a statement that I, ho I hope you'll catch. Your happiness is determined by your character. Your character is determined by the choices that you make. The choices that you make are determined by your values. And your values are determined by your vision. It's what you got your eyes on. Look, what you got your eyes on determines what your values are going to be. And then those values then start to determine what choices you'll make in your life. And then those choices determine the character of your life. And it's the character of who you are that determines your, your happiness. Does that make sense? See, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're dreaming about, whatever you set your heart on, whatever your vision is, is what becomes the most important thing in your life. You see, Moses had his values right because he had his vision right. Does that make sense? Because he was looking at the invisible one, he had his vision right. That then determined who's, what his values were, were, were going to be. I 
That's what I want you to do. I want you to just close your eyes for, for a second. Just, just, just close them. And I don't want you to pray or anything like that. I just want to ask you just a couple of questions here. Don't worry about your wife or your husband or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, your kids. It's just, I just want you alone with God for a moment. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Are, are, are you being who God made you to be? And really, just, just you and God right now. Are you trying to be somebody you're not? Why don't you settle that issue today? You just say, I'm tired of trying to be everybody else and live like everybody else. And I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live that way. Are you making the right choices in, in your life? Or are you making the easy ones? Are you living by a set of well-thought-through values? Have you clarified your values and internalized them so you don't respond to pressures, but you respond to priorities? When the pressures of life come, how you act out is going to be determined by what you decided were your values, you see. And you got your eyes on the goal. You got the right vision. You're looking at the Lord. You got your eyes there. Look, Moses was, was, was an incredible man. Had incredible success in his life. And I think this little passage here in Hebrews gives us a little insight as to why he was used by God in such a great way. He made some decisions about his life. And let me tell you something, friend. God wants to use you. Guarantee it. And if you'd simply maybe this week go home and look at these things and say, man, I'm going to start wrestling around with these like, like Moses did. And you'd make the same decision Moses made. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you your one life is going to count for, for great things for God. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Maybe you need to take advantage of the altar room. We have one over in the venue. We have one in here. The spiritual leaders of the church will be there to be a blessing to you with you, whatever. Scott, would you, would you, would you close with that?